After a long off-season, we are back. This is your most important NASCAR betting stop of the day. It's the Money Stop with Cole Cusimano. I'm Stephen Cusimano, and man, it's been a long, cold off-season here in Jersey. Cole, I know you're out in Arizona where you can't exactly say the same, but our first signs of racing are back. It is February. We've got the Clash at the Coliseum coming up, and as we start season four of this podcast, I can't even believe we're saying that. Really exciting times ahead after a successful year three of this podcast presented by Kicking the Tires and Sharp Link Gaming. Uh, really, like I said, Cole, exciting times ahead and just kind of want to get back on the airwaves and, and get started here. We're not going to dive too much into analysis and things like that. Just kind of want to rehash what's happened in the silly season and, and talk some driver and team changes. But overall, Cole, it's just the vibes are back. You know, you get to February, you get past championship weekend in the NFL and it starts feeling like NASCAR season, right? 1 million percent. I mean, we had the Rolex 24 complete this past weekend. Uh, as of recording January 30th, the NASCAR Netflix docuseries dropped, which by the way, watched the first episode. Absolutely phenomenal. Pure cinema. Uh, the first five minutes of the, not even five minutes, the first like two and a half minutes of, of the show, my heart was going a million miles a minute. So we'll get to that a little bit later, I guess. But overall, the vibes are off the charts right now. And on top of the Netflix docu-series, today I got my NASCAR hard card in the mail. Clash is obviously coming up this weekend, so a lot of really good things ahead. And uh, even on the money stop front, we have some, some things working there that you'll allude to here in a second. But just can't wait for the season to start up. Got a lot of really good things planned for the money stop and just a lot of, a lot of things happening in the Cup Series all around. Yeah, the vibes are back. Whether you're a new listener, a returning listener, we welcome you. Uh, if you do happen to be a new listener, we talk all things NASCAR betting. This is, like I said before, a little bit more of a uh, conclusion of the offseason, talk some driver and team changes. That's most of the stuff I want to dive into. We're going to have also a preseason episode after this one, which will serve between the Clash and the Daytona 500. We'll obviously talk about betting on the Daytona 500, but we're going to talk about some futures bets or what we like to call penny stocks here on the money stop you're gonna hear a lot of money themed segments which go along with all of the various types of bets you can place in nascar but uh, we'll get to that in the next episode really just want to kind of splash and go get right into it as we talk about some driver and team changes here cole and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the netflix series too because i as of the day recording this the day it came out haven't watched it yet very excited to watch it and i'm excited to see maybe some new eyes on the sport this year and i think that you, you consider you know, what's been a, a kind of a transitional period for the sport over the last few years, getting some new eyes on the sport. And even this event, the Clash of the Coliseum, a perfect example of that. I think uh, it's going to open up a lot of new eyes on the sport and specifically on the betting aspect of the sport. So if you are a new listener, we're so excited to have you along for the ride after a really successful year three of this podcast. So there's obviously a lot to, to get to here as far as driver and team changes. Cole, I think we should probably go one at a time, because if I just rattle everything off, it's going to seem kind of overwhelming. Um, so let's let's kick it off here. I'm going to start with, uh, let's go numerically, um, because we saw one of NASCAR's greatest drivers of all time, quite literally, right off into the sunset at Phoenix, a race that you and I were both at when Ryan Blaney won the championship, and that is Kevin Harvick, uh, one of the longest tenured drivers in the sport and one of the most storied careers in the sport. Ended in November, and taking over in that number four car for Stuart Haas Racing is Josh Berry. After a, a successful stint in the Xfinity Series for Junior Motorsports, he jumps over 
to Ford with Stuart Haas Racing at the Cup level after a c- couple of races here and there in the nine car last year, filling in for Chase Elliott. And uh, also in that same stable, Eric Almarola leaves the 10 car in certain Noah Gregson, who also blazed his own path with Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. So half of that team in Stuart Haas Racing, you get some new drivers that have had really good success with a different team, different manufacturer, all the above in uh, the Xfinity Series. So what maybe are the expectations for the four of Josh Berry and the 10 of Noah Gregson entering 2024? I'll tell you what, this is a really interesting question, and it's honestly, I've been kind of racking my brain of things I'm most excited for this season, and at the top of that list is seeing how Stuart Haas Racing fares, because you look at the makeup of that entire team, the elder statesman, quote-unquote, is basically Chase Briscoe, who has, uh, what is it, three years now in the Cup Series, (laughs) only one win to his name at Phoenix, and then you have uh, Josh Berry, obviously, in his uh, mid-30s, inheriting that four-car But what's interesting to me is obviously Josh Berry lit up the track when he was subbing in for uh, Chase Elliott in the nine car. He's also inheriting Rodney Childers as his crew chief, who's obviously won championships, won a ton of races with Kevin Harvick. I think that's going to be an incredible pairing. On top of that, you mentioned Chase Elliott and him filling in for that driver when he was injured. He's also uh, inheriting Eddie DeHaan, who's moving over to Stewart House Racing to work with Josh Berry. So I think... Having that rapport at, at Hendrick Motorsports in those limited races uh, with Eddie DeHaan and then just having that guy in your ear and that, that master strategist in Rodney Childers, I think that's going to be a really, really interesting thing to watch in terms of Josh Berry and his uh, rookie season in the Cup Series. Also on that, you, you mentioned Noah Gregson going to the 10 car, Drew Blickenstorfer staying there as the crew chief of the 10. This one is is a bit more difficult to answer, only because, obviously, Noah had his falling out last season with um, Legacy MC. Um, don't want to get too much into that, but basically it's a second chance at redemption here, and I think um, this was a ride that I felt was kind of written in the stars for a while since he'd left uh, Legacy, only because uh, you heard all the stories back when Kyle Larson was a free agent for his falling out. Tony Stewart was broken up about not being able to get him. He was hell-bent on signing Kyle Larson, couldn't get it done. I think that he saw Noah Gregson as somebody that was, I don't want to say Kyle Larson-esque, but someone who has a lot of potential to be a really good driver in the Cup Series. And I think it's just tough to gauge only because he didn't really have a full season in the Cup Series to develop. But he's going from a, a team that basically was middle-of-the-pack backmarker team to a championship-winning team back when Tony Stewart was racing there when it first came about in the Cup Series. So I think the potential's there for both of these drivers and, and this team to um, put together some good runs, but you also got to factor into account that Ford has a brand-new body this season with the Ford Mustang Dark Horse. It's a very, very difficult thing to gauge. I think what we're looking for here out of Noah Gregson in order to have a successful season is maybe score some top 20s, challenge for top 15s, um, with the lack of experience in the, at the cup level. For Josh Berry, look what he did to Hendrick Motorsports. You want him to, to ch- contend for those top 10s, but I think top 15s are definitely a more um, a grounded expectation. So I think it, 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 a, a lot is going to depend on how the, the new body and all that translates into the first uh, few weeks of the season, how all the Ford teams kind of develop and all that. But I think there is potential for this all these teams to, to excel just with the talent on the rosters uh, and the lineage of SHR. So 
Uh, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. Uh, what, what do you think about this team going forward? I would say that out of every team in the garage, Stuart Haas Racing, probably the biggest question mark, the the most difficult to forecast this season because of what we saw last year, obviously a, a down season for, for the entire stable, and you see half the drivers change, which adds to that enigma in and of itself. But I think the thing that comes to mind for this team is that it's hard to go down from where they were last year. And I don't mean to say that harshly, but you think about where they were in terms of the garage standing 2022, it took it, it took a big step backward. Let's be pretty blunt about it in 2023. And I, I think that there's obviously going to be some growing pains with the new body style of the Fords. Um, and we'll see how that goes early in the season. I would be a little bit apprehensive to to pick or at least put a lot of confidence and stability in the four drivers and specifically this team coming off the season it had um, with some of the other question marks with, again, the new drivers. But you've got, like you said, Chase Briscoe back for his fourth season in the Cup Series and with that 14 team. And, of course, uh, Ryan Priest back as well in the 41 car. So it's, like you said, it's very interesting. I'm kind of more in wait-and-see mode on Stuart Haas Racing. They're a team that like you said, when you think of Chase Briscoe as the longest tenure driver in this stable, it makes me a little bit cautious about putting a lot of my eggs in their basket early in the season. However, we've seen this team contend at an extremely high level before and including in the next gen era. And I would not surprise me if they catch on very quickly. Think about the excitement of the new rebrand that they have going on. I feel like there's a lot of good energy under the Stuart Haas racing building and you know, it, I, I would say that that's, that's definitely my assessment of it is I'm kind of just in wait and see mode. But like you, you hit it right on the head. You've got two of the more talented prospects in the sport and Josh Berry and Noah Gregson being added to that stable. And don't forget Eddie DeHaan. I think Drew Blickensturfer could be a really good compliment to Noah Gregson in that 10 team. And again, these two teams, the four and the 10 specifically, we saw glimpses with Eric Amarola and Kevin Harvick last year. Obviously, Harvick didn't get that final win he was hoping for uh, coming out of his his farewell season, but there were certainly glimpses for both teams. You're just looking for consistency from from that entire stable, and I'm very intrigued by it. I think we're going to find out find out a lot about this team in the early weeks when we get to the tracks like Vegas and Phoenix. Um, I, I'm very intrigued by this Stuart Haas racing stable. We talked a little bit about Noah Gregson, his departure from the 42 car with Legacy Motor Club, Cole, and inserting directly into that seat is the guy who had probably the best season of any driver in the Xfinity Series last year, and his crew chief, John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Bishore, will join Legacy Motor Club. Not only a driver and crew chief change, but a manufacturer change. Uh, I just talked about kind of the disappointing season it was for Stuart Haas Racing, and same kind of deal for Legacy Motor Club. Of course, it was that first uh, season of existence for LMC, but they come into this season with a lot more optimism. Uh, there were certainly glimpses for guys like Eric Jones last year. Uh, wasn't overall the way things wanted to play out, but they make the transition from Chevy to Toyota. They bring up a really, really hot pairing from the Xfinity Series and kind of a similar deal with Stuart Haas Racing where I mentioned there's some excitement, some enthusiasm under the roof of that building. Um, of course, you've got Jimmy Johnson adding a, a good amount of races to his schedule this year. And I definitely, it's same same kind of deal. It's hard to see a Legacy Motor Club being worse off than when it was last year, especially in year two. I think that uh, the, the trajectory is definitely pointing up. 
as it should when you add a driver and crew chief pairing like John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Bishore. Yeah, I I actually cannot wait to see how this team fares in 2024, honestly. Um, I think last year it was just like one thing after another. It was like a big rain cloud over that team the entire season. Uh, obviously, we all know what happened with Noah Gregson. There was the whole Jimmy Johnson thing as well. I know he really probably didn't get the input he wanted to, the track time he wanted to, to really like get a feel for how the program was. So having this true fresh start with Toyota now is something I'm really excited about because it's not going to be just Toyota um, dealing with like growing pains of a new model. It's also Ford. So you got two manufacturers, bunch of different teams all going through the same things, all the motions of, you know, developing these cars and, and learning the nuances of these new bodies and whatnot. So um, I think there's a lot of talent on this team. Obviously you got seven time champ, Jamie Johnson, who's going to be, he's been very vocal and very instrumental in, in all the, the processes and all that of uh, running Legacy MC from people I've been talking to in the industry. But Eric Jones, he had, I know it was an up and down year, but there was a lot to be proud of for that team last year, given all like the, um, the the hardships. And I think you look at John Hunter Nemechek and Ben Bayshore, that pairing specifically, they won seven races in the Xfinity Series last year. Ben Bayshore's a, a winner in the Cup Series. He won three races with Kyle Busch. I'm very excited to see how this team does. And, and even through all the hardships, like you, you look at what, Carson Hosevar did in the 42 car in his limited stints. He ran fairly well uh, in, in his limited opportunities. So you take someone like John Hunter Nemechek, who, by the way, you mentioned not winning the championship last year. He probably should have won it. He's someone who has always acted like he had a chip on his shoulders. And this is just another notch in the armor to give them more ammunition to go out there and prove himself. And I think, obviously, he, he's had a bit of a temper growing up it, it, racing in, in NASCAR and all the ranks and all that. But I think he's matured a ton over the past couple of years. I think his talent is through the roof. And I think that just having that uh, connection now with Bayshore in the cup series, you're going to be leaning on Eric Jones, leaning on Jimmy Johnson. That's all going to culminate to a really, really interesting season for him in the 42 car. And I, I can't wait to see how this team does. Honestly, I, I think all around, um, I have my eyes on legacy MC. Like you said, I don't think they can get any, you know, lower than they were last year. So I'm excited, man. I really am. When you talk about setting a driver and a team up for success in every single facet, like you said, I mean, you you got to all of it. You've got a seven-time champ in your corner. You've got a, a manufacturer change. You've got your crew chief coming up with you after winning seven races in the Xfinity Series. I feel like the sky is the limit for that team. And, and again, same deal. We'll see how things go with Legacy Motor Club. I feel like that's kind of the big three of the full-time driver changes with Josh Berry, Noah Gregson. John Hunter Nemechek. So I'm going to throw a few names at you and see which direction you want to take this. Uh, Daniel Hemrick heading to the 31 car for Colleague Racing. And then a couple other names here departing from Colleague Racing, going to Rick Ware. Justin Haley will pilot the 51 car this year. And then a few pretty interesting names. Anthony Alfredo will take over the 62 car. Zane Smith, another hot shot prospect, will take over in the number 71 team this year. And Carson Hosever, the aforementioned driver that you just named, Heading over to a, a team on the rise, Inspire Motorsports. So this is a pretty interesting crop of five drivers I just gave you, and I feel like they are kind of the wild cards out of all the, those changes we've just discussed. For me personally, I am most excited to see what Zane Smith does. You know I've been a huge fan of his from the beginning, essentially. I think he's wildly talented. He's a truck series champion. He's proven himself in the Xfinity series in very limited stints. 
And even the Cup Series, he had some really competitive runs at, at, at the plate tracks. He had a, a top 15 run in his first start ever with a RFK Racing. Similarly to, to John Hunter, I think the sky's the limit for this team and this driver. Um, I think he's incredibly mature beyond his years. I think we've seen Spire take immense strides uh, over the past couple years. I think what Corey LaJoy has done for that organization has been uh, very exemplary. Uh, and I think I'm excited to see how that organization does take the next step in 2024. And I just think that Zane Smith, in addition to, to Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, John Hunter, he is the one guy that I was also very, very um, intrigued to see how he does this season. And also, um, he, he's going to be in the, the track house pipeline. So um, with the, the intentions of going into a, a track house car in 2025, this will sort of be, uh, I guess, I don't want to say a make or break year for him because he's, he's signed to a, a few years, but he wants to prove himself. He wants to, to show the NASCAR's premier level that he belongs. And I, I think that he, he's aware of that and he wants to make a statement in his, in his uh, rookie season. Definitely a lot of change entering the 2024 season. I might even say more so this year than any offseason in recent memory when you think about all those you know, different drivers, teams, even manufacturer changes. But we haven't even scratched the surface, Cole, on our favorite kind of changes, and that's the paint schemes every year. Uh, we'll dive into a little bit more paint scheme stuff on future episodes. For those of you who might be new to the podcast, we love our paint schemes here. We rate them every week. We give them nickels or dimes, which are five or tens out of 10. And at the end of every season, or in this case, towards the end of the off season, we do a bracket style silver dollar award, which goes to the best paint scheme of the season. Uh, two seasons ago, which was 2022, it was Chase Elliott's Hooters paint scheme, which the fans voted as the top in the sport, and we are just now going through uh, the next round of paint schemes from 2023. So we started with 16. Cole put all the graphics together, did a really nice job executing the first round of the bracket, and we've got uh, this down to eight liveries from the 2023 season. So go vote at the underscore money stop on social media. We're doing the polling on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we want to definitely see your votes for your favorite paint scheme of the 2023 season. A real quick, Cole, before we move off that topic, I, I want to, because, you know, we're not necessarily the ones voting on the Silver Dollar Award. It's the fans, including us. I mean, we can vote. It's not to say our votes will count more than anyone else's. What was your favorite paint scheme of the season? Because my two favorite paint schemes went head-to-head -head in round one. It was the 84 that Jimmy Johnson ran in the Coke 600 last year. Unfortunately, a short ending to that race. Going head-to-head -head with the uh, 24 of William Byron that had a little bit of blue camouflage on it, and it was the 84 that came away victorious. So that is my pick for the silver dollar that I think should win. Uh, but we've got some really, really good ones. I have a feeling I know which one you're going to pick, but have at it. I mean, what's your favorite paint scheme out of the remaining that are up for the silver dollar? I'll tell you what, this was an incredibly difficult year to even pick contenders. I think I narrowed it down to like 37 or something. And um, it, it was just a great year for paint schemes. So many iconic ones, so many eye-catching ones. Um, I'll, I'll roll through them here and, and tell our listeners which ones made the, the cut for the, the final eight we have right now. It's Brad Kozlowski's uh, throwback for Darlington, the Castrol GTX car. Noah Gregson's Wendy's car from Talladega. There's the uh, two Justin Haley cars in this, this uh, final eight. The first being the Mountain Dew car, which, which was run at Bristol. The other being the Tide car, which was also run at Bristol on the dirt. And then you mentioned the uh, Jimmy Johnson Club Wyndham Patriotic Paint Scheme. 
We've also got another Brad Keselowski paint scheme, which is the Build Submarines uh, pseudo primary paint scheme, which is just off the charts incredible. And then we got two 2311 racing paint schemes to round us out, which by the way, shout out to them because of those 37 paint schemes mentioned, they had about half the ones that were in consideration. So kudos to 2311 racing for bringing some incredible paint schemes to the track. Those final two are the Tyler Reddick Beast Unleashed 45. And the one paint scheme that when we were talking about Silver Dollar and all the contenders, this is the one that came to mind out of everyone else as a for sure contender. I don't know why, but the Grimace McDonald's number 23 from, from Bubba Wallace. I love that car so much. I think it's so simplistic with the, uh, the purple and gold flames with the black rear of the car. It looks incredible. And obviously Grimace's face in the hood's awesome. But my personal favorite Silver Dollar Award contender, as you can guess, is the Mountain Dew number 31. Seeing this car in person, it looked outstanding. I love the lime green, the dark green, and just the fact that Mountain Dew made a return to NASCAR. I think the fans love seeing it in the sport. I think Mountain Dew belongs in the sport. I think they brought a really, really great car to the track at Bristol that weekend. So I, I guess my top two schemes that are remaining are the Mountain Dew 31 and the Grimace number 23. Yeah, there's definitely some common denominators with all these paint schemes. You've got the fast food ones with Grimace. You've got the other McDonald's paint scheme. The Wendy's one, which was probably my second favorite behind the Club Wyndham 84 that I was talking up for Jimmy Johnson. And again, kudos to that 2311 club for bringing so many great paint schemes. And also the, the six car, Brad Kozlowski, I mean, that one was a primary paint scheme and it's up for our silver dollar award. So head to at the underscore money stop on social media. This is one of the most fun things that we do throughout the year. And also I, I should preface this by saying that uh, entering the 2024 season, if there is a paint scheme that you really like that you think is worthy of silver dollar consideration, let us know on social media and we can bookmark that, come back to it at the end of the season. Um, but we're going to also have a full review of the paint schemes for 2024 at a later date. Finally, though, Cole, I want to round out this episode by discussing the next race, the first race of the season, the exhibition, the clash at the Coliseum. It's an event that was really exciting at first. You know, you put our favorite sport at one of the most iconic venues in all of sports and NASCAR kind of leading this initiative to get the sport in front of different demographic of people and um, get new eyes on the sport. I think mission accomplished there. I think that the luster has run out maybe a little bit. It was very fun at first. It's still exciting because, you know, it's it's the first week. We've got cars back on track. Um, and there's a certain amount of excitement that's always going to come with that. But I just think back to the days when it was the Bud Shootout. It was at Daytona, which, again, it may not be the L.A. Coliseum, but it's kind of the, the holy grail of motor racing, in my opinion. It's the world center of racing. I feel like it, the, the sport probably should be opening up there. Um, but here we are at the Coliseum. It's going to be exciting. Um, we'll go through some of the odds here, but there's obviously not a ton of to go off of. Obviously, this is the first event of the season, but uh, here we go. Uh, Sunday, 8 o'clock, it's the Clash of the Coliseum. Give me your thoughts. My thoughts on the Coliseum as it pertains to betting. Going into this episode, I was going to say stay away from it for right now because usually you get a good feel for who's going to win the race after practice and once, once the uh, lineups are set because there's not a whole lot of movement. However, Looking at the odds listed right now, they are just almost insane, too insane to pass up. Uh, the, the favorites 
Co-favorites are Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Larson at plus 850. And this one is interesting to me because, yes, while it's, it's probably more advantageous to wait and see what the starting lineup looks like, we still have the factor that there's going to be two different manufacturer bodies there at Ford and Toyota. Chevrolet's are all going to be the same. And the short track package will be the same as well. Um, they will be changing it for the points-paying races for after the test that happened at Phoenix in December. So this is a bit more predictable. And I think looking at these odds, the best values have to be Kyle Larson at plus 850, William Byron plus 900. And then maybe for a little bit of a long shot, you, you can go with Christopher Bell at plus 1,200 or Denny Hamlin at plus 1,100. Just because those two drivers specifically, they always perform so well in the short tracks. I think it's kind of interesting, Cole. You raise a good point because this race is not the question mark that it once was when we first started coming here. Like, we at least do have the previous years to go off of. We know the drivers that were unbeatable at short tracks last season, such as Martin Truex Jr. I think that, again, there's some element of value in getting a guy like Truex before that car hits the track. And I'm assuming you were probably looking at the the odds on DraftKings, but on BetMGM, the odds are even longer for every driver uh, and are a lot tighter. Martin Truex Jr. is the favorite on BetMGM at plus 900, and uh, Kyle Larson is plus 1,000, at uh, tied with, I think, five other drivers. So BetMGM has it a lot more open than some of the other sports books. And that's something that I would say, you know, we go through a lot of analysis on this show if you're new to it, but we also go through a lot of kind of strategies. And I think with NASCAR, there's a lot more disparity in the sports books than any other sport. You know, the lines aren't very different from one another in the Super Bowl if you're going from DraftKings to BetMGM to whatever app you're using. But when it comes to NASCAR, you really want to maximize the value. Like if you think that your gut is telling you Martin Truex Jr. for the clash, check out all the sports books, see which one has him at at the, the best payout and that right now would be bet mgm plus 900 but all i was going to say to just kind of put a closure on that call is this is not the question mark that it once was when we first started coming to the coliseum so i at first would have been apprehensive to bet on this race but after looking at the odds i feel a little bit better about it just kind of talking it out with you here yeah no i completely agree and i i think I kind of want to go the the super speedway approach with this, just seeing as how favorable the odds are. Maybe, I I think a good strategy would be picking who you think is going to win. So for me, this early on, I I would have to, I think the safest bet for me personally would be Kyle Larson, just because Chevrolet staying the same as as they were last year. Larson was great in the short tracks. Uh, I think he was the best statistically on the short tracks last year. So I would go with him. And then if you wanted to throw in a different manufacturer in there because you don't really know what you're going to get from the Toyotas and the Fords, go with them. Like, for me, I would th- I would say maybe Christopher Bell. I, I love his odds. I think he's, a for some reason, a longer shot. But he's a, a great short track racer. He He's won on these tracks numerous times in the Cup Series. And I just think that uh, just going that, that speedway approach of putting two horses in the race, not putting a whole lot down, that's a good way to, to, to make some money to start the season off at the 500. Well, Colt, an exhibition race. Obviously, there's some element of risk and uncertainty that comes with that in the first place, but 
We're going to get serious come Speed Weeks. About a week and a half, you'll hear from us next for the Daytona 500. We're going to talk all things uh, that race. Of course, it is NASCAR's crown jewel, but we're also going to talk a lot about futures bets. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, February 18th will be the Daytona 500. So you'll probably hear from us right prior to that weekend when odds first drop. Um, We'll have probably some of the qualifying races. Uh, We'll have maybe some thoughts from the clash on how much we're actually going to be able to learn. But certainly some some thoughts going into NASCAR's first points-paying race of the season, and that is when you will hear from us next. So, Colt, has been fun rehashing things, just kind of getting uh, situated and talking through all the driver and team changes entering the 2024 season. But we're going to drop the jack on this, the most important NASCAR betting stop of the day, the money stop. Thank you so much. If you're a returning listener, if you're a new listener, we are back for season four of your most important NASCAR betting stop of the day. This has been the Money Stop, and we will see you during Speed Weeks.